0: Welcome to Let's Get Civical.
1: This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian,
0: feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about black soldiers
1: of the Revolutionary and Civil Wars. So grab your fight for freedom and let's get civical. Hello! Oh my gosh! Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart, and I'm Arden Wallentowski, and we only tell you the name of this show and our names at least twenty percent of the time. It's true. That's that's a fact. It is a fact. It's hard. It's hard because sometimes I feel like if we have something sort of on our hearts and minds that we want to talk about that's not related to the episode, we just simply black out and forget.
0: It's true. It's true. You we just start anybody. talking.
1: Yeah, we just it's, start chatting away and then
0: suddenly and like, it's oh. what's this show? <laughs> <laughs> who are who are we? Who are these guys? But we did the right thing today. We're on it today.
1: So, we're really excited today because we are doing a two-part series in honor of Fourth of July. And so the the series is about highlighting black soldiers in the big wars. So today we're talking about the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And then next week we're gonna take on the Big Daddies, World War One and World War Two because i just feel like i was doing my research and i don't know if you ha- had a similar experience but i there's just so much in here that i didn't know and didn't learn in my education about the black soldiers that participated in i'm the wars that i researched
0: yeah there was a lot definitely like i so you did the research on the revolutionary war i did the civil war and Like, some of this stuff I had an idea about, but obviously, like, we're going to talk about some people. Clearly, I never learned about, like, the, like, black soldiers that did a lot of work that got Medal of Honors. Yeah, so it was really interesting to learn. And then also just, like, how black soldiers fit into these wars. Like, we don't ever really talk about that. So it was really interesting to learn that, that side of it. It was good. I'm really excited to do this.
1: Me too. So how we decided to do this is, like Arden said, I took it upon myself to research the Revolutionary War, and she took it upon herself to, re- to research the Civil War, and we're going to tell each other about the wars. Yeah. I'm so excited about, because you know I love storytelling. So um, I, th- I feel as though we should just kick off um, in the historical timeline.
0: Yeah. With...
1: The Revolutionary War. So, Jump which means I go. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I, we're going to start, and I know, I know this is basic, but we're going to start with just the quickest little overview. Listen. I know You got to, to the stage.
0: But also, I, there are some people, like, I think some people don't know why we sure. fought some of these wars, or they're confused about why, or they were taught. different reason and like let's start with a basic understanding so that we are all on the same page
1: yes this is like these are the stage directions that are leading us into the play here we go so this is an overview and a lot of my notes are coming from this site which is battlefields.org which is like this organization that's all about the history and preservation of, like, famous battlefields and, like, and, like, it goes through all the wars and whatever. So, it's a great resource. I loved it a lot. But this is the overview of Le Revolutionary War. So, from 1763 to 1776, Parliament, King George III, Royal Governors, and Colonists, Clashed over regulations of trade, representation, and taxation. Despite the growing unrest, many Americans perceived war and independence as a last resort. So that's how bad these things had to go. And this is where you get oh. the Boston Tea Party: no taxation without representation. Don't get tread off on, my lawn! Don't, don't tread, don't tread, tread on, me. on me! The snake! The snake!
2: The snake!
1: (laughs) The snake. So everybody's just, tensions are high. They're like, oh my god, give me space. Uh, Helicopter parent, England. (laughs) Get off of me. Get off. Continuing on. By 1775, however, tensions reached a boiling point. Both sides prepared for war as negotiations continued to falter. Fighting began outside of Boston, and in the spring of 1775, during a British raid to seize munitions at Lexington and Concord, British regulars arrived on the Lexington Green early on the morning of April 19th and discovered the town's militia awaiting their arrival. The, quote, Minutemen (laughs) intended only a show of force and were dispersing when a shot rang out. (gasps) the American War of Independence had officially begun. Was this the, was this the shot heard
0: around the world? Shot
1: heard round the world. Yeah, baby. Start of the revolution. The Minutemen, we're ready, on the move. Take your planet, take your gun. Report to General Washington. Washington. Hurry, men, it's not a moment to lose. School yes. of Rock? Yes. Yes. Oh, Bob my Dunham. God.
0: Oh, my God. I love, God, I love School of Rock. I know.
1: So that, I mean, you know, that is, uh, then the Revolutionary War begins, right? And we, we know what the main players are. General George Washington is leading up the, the Continental Army, and they're going against the British, and they're fighting all these battles. But what a lot of people don't know is that there were Black soldiers, and so now I'm going to talk about the introduction of Black soldiers into the army, how that came about. So, this is coming from the primary source of this section is actually the Army website. Oh. Um, and what I learned in my research is that this actually'll we'll probably get into more when we talk about the the two world wars is that black soldiers uh, weren't really allowed to be a part of the other branches of the armed forces. Like there were mm-hmm. much stricter rules of um integration and that sort of stuff. So a lot of their involvement is with the Army. And so that's why, for me, a lot of my research comes from the Army, the official Army website, because the Navy was like, no, we suck. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so this is coming from the Army uh, and battlefields.org, battlefields.org again and the National Park
0: Service, which we love. I love. I also used AmericanBattlefields.org for... Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's I mean, I got so much of this from that website. yeah, it is great. Love it, ok. So at the start of the war, Washington, George, had yep. been a vocal opponent of recruiting black men, both free and especially slaves. Thanks, George. He wasn't alone. Most Southern slave owners and many northern slave owners found the idea of training and arming slaves and thereby abetting a possible slave rebellion. Far more terrifying than the British. So let's just (laughs) take that fucking in. Wow. You know, tyranny is only so scary. Yeah. Just like, it's the craziest thing.
0: Jesus Christ. So
1: Washington's like, no, no, no. Right. no. No. Black men had long served in colonial militias and probably even saw action during the French and Indian War But they had usually been relegated to support roles like digging ditches. In fact, most Southern militias had been created precisely to fight off slave insurrections, which we love. So we have these little militias happening to fight off potential slave uprisings. And that's why we have a little bit of the infrastructure that we have for the Revolutionary War. Great. Um, But yeah, this is something I see, I saw a lot, which is like how black soldiers were used in the early wars which yeah was non-combative for the most part and was like labor positions of like digging trenches and all this stuff because it's like we can't arm the people it's insane anyways continuing on this is this next point i'm like the british are getting this is a brilliant part of brilliant move on the british part so in november of 1775 Virginia's British royal governor, Lord Dunmore, issued a proclamation that he would free any slave who left his master to serve alongside the British forces. Within a month, 300 had joined what Dunmore dubbed his, quote, Ethiopian regiment. Problematic. Okay, wow. Problematic. The action terrified Patriot slaveholders, and Congress and Washington, George, decided to reverse themselves in response, permitting enlisted free Blacks to remain in the army and recruitment of fl- free Blacks opened up. So the British were like, you know what? Come over here. Yeah. We'll give you your freedom. And, yeah. the, and the, 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 these guys are like, great. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> and then George is like, ooh. Hmm. Right. This is no good. Actually, come on down. Come, on, come down on down over here. So that's really what was like the biggest impetus yeah. in like they were before. afraid of
0: the numbers shifting. Like, yeah, yeah. Because why? Why wouldn't the numbers shift? You right. Know? If somebody's like, "Hey, I see you, and I'll make you free." Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yes, yes and, thank yeah. and thank you. Yeah, thank you because that's what I deserve. So I mean, that's really what. What caused the, 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 quote, patriots to open their minds, their hearts, and their spirits to having uh. black soldiers serve um, in the, the, the army. Mm. So um, it has been estimated that at least 5,000 black soldiers fought on the patriot side during the Re- Revolutionary War. The exact number will never be known because the 18th century muster rolls usually did not indicate race. Careful comparisons between muster rolls and, ch- and church, census, and other records have recently helped identify many black soldiers. Additionally, Oh. Yeah.
0: Additionally, that's super cool.
1: Right? It's like, yeah. like, thank you for putting the piece of this puzzle together. Yeah. Additionally, various eyewitness accounts provide some indication of the level of African-American participation during the war. Mostly this is like French accounts. There's a lot of accounts of French General soldiers remarking oh. on, you know, the amount. Like I think it was like a fourth or a third. Somebody remarked was was made up of 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 black men. Um, wow. Yeah. And that that little section was coming from the National Park Service. Okay. And this is kind of where I'm getting into. I'm gonna focus on this little this group of of soldiers because it's gonna segue nicely into our like notable people, notable individuals. but we're going to start with a notable regiment the most famous mixed race fighting unit on the patriot side was the first rhode island regiment shout out to rhode island small but mighty the first rhode island regiment was an assembled unit in the continental army that has been documented as having a large and visible body of african-american soldiers within its ranks best remembered for their efforts to repel Hessian advancements during the Battle of Rhode Island in 1778. Estimates indicate that between 120 to 140 soldiers out of 250 were Black. Though integrated like nearly all other continental regiments, the first Rhode Island is remembered for employing slaves and freedmen before it was approved by Congress and General Washington. Oh, so they were like, you know what? We need help, yeah. We're just gonna do it. And eventually, we're a Washington state. We was need like, the people, yeah. And eventually, Washington was like, oh my god, you're winning! Yes, I'm coming around. So, love that. When the Rhode Islanders jur- journeyed to Virginia. Where several thousand other soldiers were assembling, they stood out, according to a French military officer there, as, quote, the most neatly dressed and best under arms and the most precise in all of their maneuvers. Wow. So they're also just, like, good soldiers. So this regiment is, like, not only integrated before anybody else was, before it was, like, you know, kosher to do so. They were good soldiers. They did their shit right. They were well-dressed. It was just rocking, and they, and they won. They beat people. Solid, solid regiment. Solid regiment. And this is a quote that I wanted to read from a veteran of the 1st Rhode Island uh, Regiment. And this is in an address to an anti-slavery society meeting in Francistown, New Hampshire in 1842. So this is a, a veteran of this regiment. Mm-hmm. Quote, I served in the Revolution in General Washington's army. I have stood in battle where balls like hail were flying all around me. The man standing next to me was shot by my side. His blood spouted upon my clothes, which I wore for weeks. My nearest blood, except that which runs in my veins, was shed for liberty. My only brother was shot dead instantly in the Revolution. Liberty is dear to my heart. I cannot endure the thought that my countrymen should be slaves. Yeah. And I was just like, yep.
0: I don't know what more you need to say than that.
1: <laughs> Literally. It's like, it's just what starts grinding my gears. It's like, th- yep. you have veterans. yeah, And, and some of these soldiers had to go back to slavery. Like I'll talk a little bit. At, I have this, this piece at the end of like what happened after, but there were plenty that had to go back to slavery after fighting for this cause. And for only for these people that they fought for to be like, you know what? We're going to yes. keep slavery. We're going to keep it. Wow. Three fifths. Yeah. That's what you are. Anyhow. So that was a little tidbit on the 1st Rhode Island Regiment. And now we're going to talk about significant figures. So these are individuals who I literally learned about none of these people in my education of the Revolutionary War. And all of this is coming from uh, our friend at History.com, Colette Corman. And we're going to start off with, I think, probably the most notable person, the, pro- the person that m- it may have gone into textbooks. Not mine, but some. So this is Crispus Atticus. Do you know Crispus Atticus? I've heard. Yeah. Great. So Crispus Atticus whom many historians credit as the first man to die for the rebellion, became a symbol of Black American patriotism and sacrifice. In 1770, as tensions mounted between British and colonial sailors in Massachusetts ports, distrust and competition among them grew. These pressures came to a head on March 5th, when an angry confrontation turned into a slaughter known as the Boston Massacre. Oh. Of the five colonists killed, he was said, Atticus, was said to be the first to fall, making him the first martyr to the American cause. He was taken down by two musket balls to the chest.
0: Oh. I know.
1: God. Oh, God. So it's like, if you think about it, which um, this is what a lot of people argue, it's like the first person to literally die for the American cause, is a black man. Right. Let's reckon with our history. I've said it once. I'll say it a hundred times. Okay. Next up is a gentleman named Salem Poor. So Salem Poor was born into slavery, but was allowed to purchase his freedom for 27 pounds before the war began. So that's very unusual. But he enlisted multiple times, and he is believed to f- to have fought in the battles of Saratoga and Ma- Monmouth. Monmouth. That's a Monmouth. Ba- Monmouth. That's a bad, bad name. Monmouth. <laughs> Monmouth. Monmouth. He is most famous, however, for his heroism at the Battle of Bunker Hill, where his contributions so impressed fellow soldiers that after the war ended. Fourteen of them formally recognized his excellent battle skills with a petition to the General Court of Massachusetts. In it, they called him out as a, quote, brave and gallant soldier, saying he, quote, behaved like an experienced officer. Poor is credited in that battle with killing British Lieutenant Colonel James Abercrombie, along with several other enemy soldiers. Damn. I don't know if there's any relation between the Abercrombie and Fitch, but, you know. Anyways, so he was, like, well-recognized soldier. Yeah. Another notable individual. This is a little... This is... She, she is a woman, and she was not a soldier, but uh, I think her story is important and is... She has some influence over the Revolutionary War. And this is Phyllis Wheatley. So, Phyllis Wheatley was a revolutionary intellectual who waged a war for freedom with her words. Captured as a child in West Africa, then taken to North America and enslaved, Wheatley had an unusual experience in slavery. Her owners educated her and supported her literary pursuits. In 1773, at around age 20, Wheatley became became the first African American and third woman to publish a book of poetry in the young nation. I know. Shortly after, her owners freed her. Influential colonists read Wheatley's poem and lauded her talent. Her work, which reflected her close knowledge of the ancient classics as well as biblical theology, carried strong messages against slavery and became a rallying cry for abolitionists. She also advocated for independence artfully expressing support for George Washington's revolutionary war in her poem, quote, to his excellency, General Washington. And I've read the poem. It's, it's too long to read on this, but it's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful. Um, so this is just, I just wanted to include her because, you know, wars are far, fought in many ways. Yes, they are. So That's I amazing. Love, yeah. I love, I love everything about Phyllis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And last but not least, I simply love this gentleman, and I think you will too. Great. So this is James Armistead Lafayette. James Armistead Lafayette was a slave in Virginia owned by William Armistead. After gaining permission to join the war effort from his master, he came upon the British Army in Virginia in 1781 to gather intelligence for the turncoat Benedict Arnold. Damn, dude. I know. In reality, Armistead was a double agent gathering intelligence for the Continental Army under Major General Lafayette. Armistead was very successful. His reports were vital to the planning of the siege at Yorktown. He was so good at, I know, I know, Yorktown of all. Yeah. He was so good at fooling the British that General Charles Lord Cornwall's is said to have been stunned to see Armistead standing next to Lafayette after the British surrendered. <laughs> I know. He was like, oh my God, you, you, and he's we like, yes, me. That's amazing. Now this is where it's interesting. Unable to secure his freedom because he had not technically served in the American army William Armistead, along with the help of Lafayette, petitioned the Virginia Assembly to free him. He was granted his freedom and took Lafayette's name as a thank you. <gasps> so because he, he was considered a spy, not a right. soldier. And right. therefore, like there were certain states where if you served, you could get your freedom. Like that was a lot of the the right. trade-off. Yeah. And so at first they were like, mm, you didn't serve. And everybody's like, "I." There's uh, Lafayette. Is like became very close with him and was like, "Absolutely
0: not." Yeah, he served. He served in a very dangerous way. In a
1: very dangerous way, he was a spy. Yeah, like one of the first spies.
0: Damn. I know. I know. I'm like, why don't we learn about him?
1: Come on. That's super cool.
0: I know. I would have. That would have been much more interesting than like general cornwall at the battle of whatever i know man
1: i know so that that. was james armistead lafayette and those are my notable people so i'll just round out the revolutionary war with what after the war like what happened to black soldiers who served after the war and this is coming again from battlefields.org and pbs which we love so The results of the War for Independence were mixed for African-Americans. Many Northern states outlawed slavery after the war with Vermont being the first new state to join the union whose state constitution prohibited it. In some Northern states, free African-Americans who lived there were even granted the franchise for a limited time. This did not mean that African-Americans possessed full equality, however, while northern states had abolished slavery, black people still could not officially serve in the military. So even after all this, right. all this, they're just like, you know what? It was just a one and done situation. This you can, this cannot be your profession.
0: You no, cannot just need, like join them. We needed your help for a hot sec, and then now we're all good. Yep. So thank you and goodbye.
1: Okay. And this this is actually really interesting. So, and this is from PBS. As the British prepared for their final evacuation, so like they've lost and now they're like leaving town, basically. The Americans demanded the return of American property, including runaway slaves, under the terms of the peace treaty. Sir Guy Carleton, the acting commander of the British, refused to abandon black loyalists to their fate as slaves. With thousands of apprehensive blacks seeking to document their service to the crown, Brigadier General Samuel Birch, British Commandant of New York, created a list of claimants known as the Book of Negroes. Boston King and his wife Violet were among 3,000 to 4,000 African American loyalists who boarded ships in New York bound for Nova Scotia, Jamaica, and Britain. So that's a big thing that happened is like thousands of of African Americans who were slaves decided to leave with the British and resettle with them instead yep. of staying here and the British were like we're not going to give you these we're not going to give you these people back. They're coming with us. Wow. Yeah, and so what we see is like I said before, I, and I think it'll it'll probably become. I'm interested to hear what you're like, what the resurgence of, you know, African Americans into the the army is for the Civil War, which is yeah. kind of like the next big major war for yeah. U.S. dot, and to hear if it's a similar thing because I know when I was doing World War One, it was again like there was this like rejection to them enlisting you know it was like yeah they didn't really want to have to do it with them and it's like what
0: yeah we're no, that comes at a- war that comes up again in the civil war
1: yeah yeah it's just cra- sure. i mean but it like it's it's at the beginning it's from the very beginning yeah it starts with general george washington just not being a team player so that's that's the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I know. Definitely and not it, how
0: I've ever heard it covered before. Truly and not I how simply I've heard adore. It.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, and this is like even this, even the research that I did here, because we do have to kind of make this fit into an episode. It's like just scratches the surface, really. Yeah. yeah. It was involvement. hard. And it's like that's what's so frustrating is that there's so much. Information that I want to cover, and you know, why we decided to make this two parts instead of doing yep. all of this in one is that it's just, you know, it's just such new information that yep. pe- people aren't taught. Yeah. No? Know? Yep. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors.
2: Are you ready to shop?
0: So right, let's tell me turn, about
2: the Civil War.
0: Turn to the Civil War. So this is all coming from uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, our dear friends at battlefields.org, also known as American Battlefield Trust, the National Park Service, Library of Congress, and PBS.
1: Oh man, I love it. I love all of those. Those are all of my friends.
0: Yep. Um, and there's some other, other sources down the line that we'll talk about. So. Basic Civil War facts. The American Civil War was fought from April 12th, 1861 to April 9th, 1865. It was fought between the Union and the Confederacy over the abolition of slavery. Not states' rights. Honey. Because it was the states' rights to do what? Own people. Own people. (laughs) So, slavery. It's about slavery. More than 3 million men fought in the war. Let's put an asterisk on men right there. Yep cuz we're talking about like we're doing two, two we talked about two you know we just talked about the revolutionary war we're talking about the civil war we're talking about the black men who served and you mm-hmm. mentioned um the woman who um Phyllis the, what was her name the Wheatley the poet Phyllis Wheatley yeah you men- you mentioned Phyllis Wheatley but like she was and like but she didn't serve like women are still nowhere in any of this story So more than 3 million men fought in the war. 2% of the entire population died, more than 620,000. Some union facts. The union was made up of the northern states of Maine, New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Kansas, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, California, Nevada, and Oregon. Oh my God, shout out to the
1: squad. Shout out to the squad. Did I say Oregon right? Oregon? Yeah, you said Oregon right at that time. Yeah! Yay! There's no Oregon to be found.
0: <laughs> I literally had a moment where I was like, oh my God, the word is coming up. You have to say it right. Oregon. Uh, yeah? Oregon. The, so the Union, obviously, the president was Abraham Lincoln. And at the height of the war, the Union had double the soldiers that they had in the Confederacy. So some basic Confederacy facts. The Confederacy was made up of the southern states of Texas. Sorry, Lizzie. Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South and North Carolina and Virginia. Their president was Jefferson Davis. There were also bunch four- of
1: losers. Bunch of bu- I just I mean the because there's so much the, the the argument around the Confederate flag right now is so uh, like stupid. It's like yeah. you are losers. The biggest losers this nation has ever seen. You suck. You're pathetic. The Confederacy was losers.
0: Only they were children. They were children. They they weren't getting their way. And so they were like, fine, we'll just leave. We'll just do the most un-American thing and secede from America.
1: The Confederacy was not America. Say it for the people in the back.
0: And that's why it comes up like they all, like all of those senators, like they all had to leave. Bye. Bye. So that's the Confederate states. Their president was Jefferson Davis. There were border states. So these were states that literally were between the Confederacy and the Union. (laughs) Mm-hmm. These poor chaps. They those border states were Maryland, Delaware, West Virginia, uh, Kentucky, and Missouri. And it's not like they were like the original goal was to create a was to create a kind of like neutral, as much as you could be neutral territory. And sure. it's not really how it played out because how can you remain neutral when like right? I mean, that's your states are literally like the battleground, like they're the battlefields of these yeah. wars. And uh, and just to kind of highlight, you know, the the like how neutrality kind of looked. Missouri sent thirty nine regiments to the Battle of Vicksburg, seventeen were to the Confederacy and twenty two were to the Union. So like the people who were making up these states, also like it was a very divided, you know, yeah, very divided states. So let's do so that's like basic overview of the Civil War. It does not do. The, We're the not war here to talk about the Civil War. By any means. But <laughs> that gives you soldiers. an idea. We're yeah. talking about soldiers. Like, maybe we'll talk about the Civil War at some point. Or a battle. Like, we should talk about battles. Like, that would actually yeah. be interesting. But oh. to talk about the whole war is like, oh my god. Ken Burns Where did that. Go start. watch it on PBS. Um, Ken <laughs> Love his work. Shout out to his Ken work. Burns. Ken Burns. Hi. So, let's talk about, like, how black soldiers kind of functioned in the Civil War. So this is specifically coming from the Library of Congress and PBS. In 1862, President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation opened the door for African Americans to enlist in the Union Army. Although many had wanted to join the war effort earlier, they were prohibited from enlisting by a federal law dating back to 1792. Mm. So after they had served in the Revolutionary War, Mm -hmm. then they passed a law that said they couldn't serve. Yes. And then now Lincoln is like, actually, mm, our bad. Please come back. Yeah, please come
1: back because we're uh, we're dying again. and We're dying uh, again and need your help. Yeah.
0: President Lincoln had also feared that if he authorized the recruitment of black Americans, border states would secede from the union. So he didn't want to make them angry and like, which I understand the politics of it. Like you don't want to increase the population of the Confederacy because then you're Like, you're also increasing their soldier... Like, how many soldiers they have, how many resources they have. So, like, I get it from a a political standpoint. On a humanitarian level... He failed. Yeah. African Americans constituted less than 1% of the northern population, yet by the war's end made up 10% of the Union Army. A total of 180,000 black men, more than 85% of those eligible enlisted. So, like, basically... All, basically, all of the eligible black men enlisted in the Civil War in the North. Yeah. African American soldiers faced additional difficulties created by racial prejudice. You don't say. Although many served in the infantry and artillery, discriminatory practices resulted in large numbers of African American soldiers being assigned to perform what? Non combat support duties. We have yep. not changed. We, we have, have not, not changed. changed such as cooks, laborers, and teamsters. African-American soldiers were paid $10 per month, from which $3 was deducted for clothing, so they're earning $7 a month. Yep. White soldiers were paid $13 a month, from which no clothing allowance was deducted, so they're literally making half of what the white soldiers earn. Yep. If captured by the Confederate Army, African-American soldiers... Confronted a much greater threat than their white counterparts, obviously. Yep, obviously. So yep, they're like
1: they would go into slavery, and the Union Army would do nothing,
0: right? So to like get them back. they've enrolled, like the eligible black men who are able to enlist. Nearly a hundred, like almost a hundred percent of them have done so. They're eighty-five percent of that population right. enlisted in the Civil War for the North. They're working at half pay. Yep. And they're taking on all of these, like, you don't even have to, like, gameplay it out in your head very far to imagine, like, just at a base level, what it would be like to be a black soldier fighting for the Union and be captured by the Confederacy. Yeah. Like, that's not a hard thing to imagine what could have happened to them. So they're taking on a lot of risk and getting treated like shit for it. African American soldiers comprised about ten percent of the Union Army. It is estimated that one third of all African Americans who enlisted lost their lives. Mm. So that gives you an overview, and really, like, tags into some of the stuff that we learned about the Revolutionary War. Like, it yeah. just—it's—it's it's basically we have not come very far. <laughs>
1: We've not learned a lesson. No, We've not gotten nearly,
0: better. No, in the nearly hundred years. Right. So we're going to talk about two soldiers and then a politician. Okay. Yeah. Politics. So the first soldier we're going to talk about, this is from American Battlefield Trust, battlefields.org, is William Harvey Carney. He was a sergeant in the Civil War on the Union side. He was born into slavery in the Norfolk area of Virginia. He escaped servitude as a young man on the Underground Railroad to join the rest of his family in Massachusetts. It was there that he eventually signed up to join the war effort in 1863. After Lincoln signed a decree allowing African Americans to serve in the Union Army, the regiment Carney joined was the famous 54th Massachusetts, which they like broke down the barrier wall at Fort Wagner, which was in the area. And they didn't like take the fort, but they like broke down the wall and like made entry into it. Love. So they were famous for doing that. It was a hard and bloody battle, and many Union fatalities, including the regiment's colonel, were buried in an unmarked mass grave. So it was just kind of like a slaughter, and they basically were like, okay, here's these hundreds of bodies, just put them there. Sergeant William Carney planted, quote, the flag atop the walls of the fort and safeguarding its return to Union lines despite several wounds. So he had been injured, but he was like... He was the one who, like, had the Union flag and, like, ran it to as far as he could to, like, claim the fort, basically, for the Union. And he was, like, had sustained multiple wounds. This quote represents the earliest action for which a black soldier was awarded the Medal of Honor. Love. After making it to safety, Carney reportedly said, quote, Boys, I only did my duty. The old flag never touched the ground! Close quote. So this is why, like, I'm like, I'm sure you grew up with this because you grew up with, in the well, I grew up with this. I don't know that you did. But I was raised to like, like the if a flag ever touches the ground, like, I, oh, it's
1: like a bat. You it can't touch the ground. It
0: can't touch the ground. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I agree I, with
1: that.
0: Yeah, and I was like, and reading this, I was like, oh, this is why. This is like, where it comes from. This is where it comes from. Like, the flag was such. Obviously, the flag is like a representation of the colonies and the states and that history and the color, you know, all of that stuff with the stars and stripes. But it's also, you know, it was a, it, in this war represented the side of the union. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, this soldier was like, made it his duty and his point to like, not only get it to the thing, but to, to the, to, you know, to claim essentially the fort for the union. He was like, wounded and carrying it and he like his whole pride was about how it never touched, it touched the, the, the ground. ground and i was like I, that really shook me i was like i mean that really like that really touched me so he did that so he was awarded he was the first uh black soldier to be awarded the medal of honor but because he was born a slave he quote had to wait nearly 37 years to claim the honor <laughs> i hate us i hate us i hate us In all, 25 African-American soldiers and sailors received the Medal of Honor during the Civil War. Well done. Yep. So that was, let's just say his name again, that was Sergeant William Harvey Carney. The next one we're going to talk about is Christian Fleetwood. Christian was a sergeant major in the Union Army. He was born on July 21st, 1840 in Baltimore to um, Charles and Anne-Marie Fleetwood, who are both free persons of color. He's a little bit unusual in that he actually, like, he was extremely well-educated. He received an excellent early education from a wealthy sugar merchant. He also continued his studies under the secretary of the Maryland Colonization Society, which I don't think people know this, that, like, okay, so this, the Maryland Colonization Society is an organization that promoted the immigration of free blacks to Liberia and Sierra Leone. And so when you were talking about, like, the British, like, you know, like, took oh, the people sure. and, like, I was like, is that, like, there was a huge movement that we don't talk about now. Oh, where yeah. Where people I mean, were like, let's get the black people out of here. Well, do you this know who was, dangerous. like, a proponent
1: of that? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham I Lincoln. Know that. Yes. Abraham Lincoln. So, I actually learned this. I'm just going to plug this podcast. Um, it's the 1619 Project by the New York Times. It's an amazing mm. podcast. Everybody should listen to it. And one of the things that is brought up, and this is I've since recently, you know, it's come up in research as well, is that Abraham Lincoln was, it, was very against integration and mm-hmm. actually was very in favor of freeing slaves, yes, and then figuring out a way to move them back to Africa because he did not believe that they could live together in a society and like a, you
0: know, yeah. <laughs> so part of me is like, that's such a shitty thing to think. And then part of me is like, well, he wasn't wrong, but that's not their fault. you know, like, it's not the fault of the black, <laughs> the black people in America. Right.
1: It's because white like, people couldn't let it happen. But like, right. it's when, when, when your commander in chief is like, mm, we'll move them back. Like, right. Leadership starts from the top. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that's sure. actually that the this Massachusetts thing that you're talking about plays exactly into that whole like yeah. that was a huge movement. Like that was what I think ultimately the goal of the union was was yes yeah. to abolish slavery. No more slaves. But also right. to extend that to say no more black people here. We'll just move <laughs> them back back. Just- so, just like, them
0: up and moving them away. Oh
1: my God! There that... has to be a big asterisk next to the motives of the Union Army. Like, obviously, yeah, oh, for sure. When you're picking who to root for, right? You know, we're gonna go Union, but it's right. also like let's put an asterisk there and you know be as critical to the Union as we are to the Confederacy.
0: Right. So, right. so yeah. So, so Christian Fleetwood who was the sergeant in the Union Army. Studied under the Maryland Colonization Society. He went on to get further higher education and then, quote, he went into publishing with several other men, founding the Lyceum Observer in Baltimore, which was among the first African-American newspapers in the South. I love it. Yep. In August 1863, Fleetwood enlisted in the 4th Regiment United States Colored Infantry. Being so well-educated, he received an immediate promotion to the rank of sergeant major. As the regiment progressed at the Battle of Chaffin's Farm, Fleetwood ran forward to catch a falling Union flag, as the sergeant, who was in charge of the whole, like, the leader higher than him, had been carrying them, and that leader had been shot and wounded. So the guy who's, like, got the flags, who's, like, running, you Mm -hmm. know, Fleetwood sees this guy, like, get shot and go down, and he runs to go catch these falling flags. Gosh. I know. The Confederates were keeping heavy fire on them, but Fleetwood managed to continue to carry the American flag closer to the fortifications. Like our friend before us, Fleetwood received the Medal of Honor for his actions with the citation for his medal reading, quote, He seized the colors after two color bearers had been shot down and bore them nobly through the fight, close quote. Amazing. After the war, Fleetwood worked at the Freedmen's Bank and War Department. He organized the D.C. Unit of National Guardsmen that he commanded as a as a major. And he helped. So the D.C. Unit of National Guardsmen, he helped organize the colored high school cadet corps of the District of Columbia. So he like. He like he went on and worked in government and like. I love it. Never served in the military again, but like you know not in an active duty but con- continue to like build up the ranks and bring other people up and uplift, you know, people of color. So that was Christian Sergeant Christian Fleetwood.
2: Love. The last
0: person we're going to talk about is was is really interesting and we'll just talk about. It. Okay. Um we're going to talk about Hiram Revels. He was a senator of Mississippi. He became the first black man ever elected to the US Senate. Hell yeah. Yeah. We love that. And he it's we're folding this in here because he took when the Confederate States left the Union, they also, of course, by definition, left the the seats, you know, that they had been elected to in Mm -hmm. Congress. And so when they in the interim between when they left those seats and the states were readmitted to the Union. Those Senate and House seats were a lot of – like, they, they were open because the yeah. elections had passed, and so now they're empty, and they had to fill them. And this was back at the time when the state legislature were still electing the Senate members. And so sure. in a way, like, that's how Senator Revels gets elected. He gets elected by the Mississippi um, State Senate. And in a way, like, I don't know – That he would have been the first black man elected to the Senate if it had been left to the population. No. In Mississippi? Yeah.
1: No. No.
0: No, no. Or no. So so Hiram Revels had been a free man his entire life. He was born to free parents in North Carolina at a time when educating black children was a crime in the state. Great. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. You're really doing the devil's work. But he was able to attend school that was taught by a free Black woman. His time, he also spent time as a preacher. That was like, after he completed his education, he got some like additional higher education. And then he went on to become a preacher. And he traveled the country preaching to Black congregations and educating Black Americans. Mainly in the states of Indiana, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Love. And he tried to be careful because really what he was doing was, like, if it wasn't illegal, it was definitely frowned upon. Like, people didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, So he tried to be careful about, like, where he went and his movements and all of that. But he was thrown in prison for doing what he was doing. After he was released, Revels became, quote, the principal of a black school in Baltimore and subsequently attended Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois, on a scholarship from 1855 to 1857 becoming one of the few black men in the U.S. with some college education. So like proper college. Then when the Civil War broke out in 1861, he helped to recruit two black regiments from Maryland. Quote, in 1862, when black soldiers were permitted to fight, he served as the chaplain for a black regiment in campaigns in Vicksburg and Jackson, Mississippi. So he's serving in his metier in the war. Like he's serving as a preacher in the war. As the states were being so, the fast forward the war ends. Now we're at Reconstruction, and as the states were being readmitted to the Union, like I said, they had to fill these Senate seats that had been vacated by Confederates. One of the states, uh, one of the seats in Mississippi that had to be refilled was uh, Jefferson Davis's. Oh my God! Senate seat <laughs> by
1: Jefferson. You lost Bye, your bitch. seat. Yeah. Huh? Oh my. Wait. He filled Jefferson Davis's
0: seat. So it's conflicting like if you go to um the PBS site says that he fills Jefferson Davis's seat mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. if you go so this is all actually coming I should have said this at the top this part this biography of him is all coming from House Archives and wow. the House Archives say that he filled the other Senate seat but you could look at it the other way cuz here's what happened they made a deal
1: let's make a deal
0: let's make a deal So, quote, in 1870, the new Mississippi state legislature wished to elect a black man to fill the remainder of one term due to expire in 1871 for the seat once held by the former Senator Brown. So they're talking about filling like they want to put a black man in this seat because it's 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 short, it's short. They're looking for somebody token to go in and be like, look, we did it. We're good. We
1: did it. We're good. It's all reconstructed. Yes. Yeah.
0: But the state but the state legislature was determined to fill the other unexpired term, which would be Jefferson Davis's term, ending in eighteen seventy five So the person who filled his term would have served an additional four years.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: the Mississippi state Senate wanted to fill that seat with what other than a white candidate.
1: I love it.
0: love it, so predictable. The black legislators agreed to the deal, believing. As Revels recalled, that an election of one of their own would, quote, this is a quote from him, be a weakening blow against color line prejudice. So he recognized that, like, yes, this is we're getting the lesser half, but Mm -hmm. it's a step.
1: It's still a step. Yeah,
0: it's still a step. The Democratic majority in the Mississippi state legislature also endorsed the plan, hoping that a black senator would, quote, seriously damage the Republican Party.
1: Okay, great. Per- yes. Okay,
0: great. After three days and seven ballots on January twentieth, eighteen seventy, the Mississippi State Legislature voted eighty-five to fifteen. Yeah, they voted. Mississippi State Legislature voted eighty-five to fifteen to seat uh Hiram Revels in Brown's former seat, and of course they chose Union General Albert Ames to fill Davis's former seat. Which, like, there's some poetic justice there too. Like they well, chose sure. a Union General. Okay.
1: Right. I mean yeah the fact that it's honestly the fact that there is now a black senator of the state of Jefferson
0: Davies yes i love it love it love it. Love, it love it before revels was elected to the senate black people had not been allowed, uh, been allowed to serve in congress so quote just before the senate agreed to admit a black man to its ranks on february 25th republican senator charles sumner of massachusetts Sized up the importance of the moment, and he says this All men are created equal, says the Great Declaration. And now a great act attests to this victory. Today we make the Declaration a reality. The the Declaration was only half established by independence. The greatest duty remained behind, in assuring the equal rights of all, we complete the work. So he's I saying like yeah. yeah 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 he's saying it's like like
1: and we did we've only gone halfway and yeah. now we're finally completing it I mean and the sort of reality is they actually didn't complete it we haven't completed no. it yet um no. but I I see what he's saying that yes. yes having a a black member of Congress is in a way a big a step. step
0: a big step but he's also acknowledging that like the Declaration I mean. I'm sure that this man would never have said this this way, but what he's saying is, like, the Declaration of Independence was wrong. Yeah. Like, we did this wrong. We did it wrong. We did it wrong. We did it wrong.
1: We we yeah. literally did this whole thing wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I feel like we know that now. Yeah. Because we're still struggling with these issues because we did it wrong. Yeah. Because we were wrong.
0: Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's Senator Hiram Revels. He, like, he goes uh to... To DC to like take his spot, and he has to like hang around for like six weeks because they hadn't like readmitted Mississippi to the union yet. So before he sure. can take his seat, we have, like a, we have to get we have to get Mississippi back in here. Right, they've got to like do the paperwork on that. Um, yeah. and uh, and yeah, he serves his term, but he was you know the first black man elected to the U.S. Senate.
1: I love it. Shout yep. out. Shout yep. out. And. That's it. That's what I've got the on the Civil War. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm seeing I'm sensing a pattern. Yeah. Amongst our wars. I can't wait to see this pattern continue. Yep. In the Great Wars, um which we will be covering next week. We'll be doing obviously World War 1 and World War II. World War is a mouthful. It's really hard to say. To say But uh, the, the big W's and yeah, so please tune in next week for part two of this series. And in the meantime, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us, you can review us, you can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.